Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Go check out Morbidly Beautiful right now for all your horror pop culture needs. Everything from interviews to top 10 lists, reviews, and well, everything in between is right there at your fingertips. So go check them out right now while you're listening to this episode. Also, holy crap, I'm back. Well, we're back. Everybody's back. Hell, even Backstreet's back, alright? Anyway, it has been a while, and I do apologize for leaving you hanging for the last few weeks there, but it was a needed break. And I spent it hanging with my wife, which was super nice. Anywho, the podcast will resume as normal from here on out, and today I have a spooky-ass one for you. I want you to think for just a moment about what your worst nightmare would be. A demon possessing your body and soul, a shadowy creature stalking you in the dead of night, maybe something more real world, like a spider crawling across your face, or what about an island of dolls that has sat uninhabited for decades? Hmm, that's awfully specific, isn't it? Huh, I wonder why. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Ominous. Lying deep in the canals around Mexico City, Mexico, is an island. No, that's not special on its own, but rather what the island contains. Hundreds, if not thousands, of dolls. Yes, child's playthings, toys, or more commonly known, vessels for demonic entities. At least, that's how I always see dolls. I know, I know, it's cliche to be afraid of dolls, but to be honest, the first horror movie I'd ever seen was Child's Play 2, when I was in, like, the fourth grade. My friend was a huge horror nut back then, I guess he still is now, I haven't seen him really since. But uh, I don't know why we were watching this movie at eight years old, and I don't know why he had that fascination at that age, but we watched it, and we watched it one day after school, in the winter, when it was dark at like four o'clock. Suffice it to say, the movie shook me to my core, and I've been kinda iffy on dolls ever since. So when I heard about this supposed haunted, yeah, did I forget to mention that? It's also haunted. Island of Dolls years ago, I might have broken into a cold sweat, but you can't prove that, so I'm still cool, right? The biggest question that I had, and I'm sure most of you also have, is why? Why is there an Island of Dolls just chilling, basically, in Mexico City? It's a great question, and I actually have an answer for you, kinda. Locally, the island is known as Isla de la Mocas, or, well, the Island of Dolls, and its story is sort of a sad and terrifying one. Legend has it that the dolls were hung there by a man called Don Julian Santana Barrera, who was the caretaker of the island, or even the owner, according to some reports. And again, there are a couple of different stories attached as to why he hung the dolls up or nailed them, or tied them, to trees and buildings and, well, everywhere around the island. You really have to look this up. It's terrifying. 
One story goes that there was a young girl who mysteriously drowned in the canals near the island, an event which was witnessed by Don Julian himself. Unfortunately, Julian was unable to help the girl and she died pretty much right in front of him. Stricken with grief, he started bringing dolls to the island in order to preserve her memory. Another story has it that the girl who drowned began haunting the island and her disgruntled spirit was only appeased by new dolls, presumably to play with. That part I don't know but it does make some kind of sense to me. Others claim the dolls were hung in order to scare away the spirit of the girl. Some claim that they could hear the spirit of the girl cry out, I want my doll. Apparently one of the dolls Julian nailed up was found floating in the canals days after the girl drowned. So he assumed it was hers and nailed it to a tree out of respect, I guess. I'm not too familiar with Mexican folklore, so sure, let's go with that. In the years since the death of Don Julian, which was in 2001, the island has become a pretty popular tourist attraction. People from all over the world travel to it by boat and place offerings at the feet of the dolls with the hopes that they'll receive some miracle or blessing, while others prefer to go for the ghost hunting experience, as countless and I mean countless shows have visited over the past few years. I've seen most if not all of these shows and yeah it's creepy as balls, but is it haunted or is it just plain scary? The first time I had experienced the island was through Destination Truth, which I used to love by the way, and the host stood beside one of the dolls and said something along the lines of, well wouldn't it be creepy if the eyes on this thing opened? And sure as shit, the eyes opened up. Now call me naive, call me gullible, but I was 100% convinced this island was 100% haunted. Then over the holidays, well, I was watching Buzzfeed Unsolved Supernatural, don't judge me, the one guy's funny, and they took a trip there. Turns out the only thing on the island that is more populous than dolls are the spiders. Yes, big black scary ass spiders. You know the ones, they look like demons and will not only eat your body but your soul from the inside out. They were everywhere, thousands, millions, billions, gazillions of them. You know that picture that everybody's seen where it's like would you save your friend on the other side of this and it shows two cars parked side by side and there's just webs and spiders connecting them all over the place? It looked like that. But that did get me thinking, maybe, just maybe. The doll that opened its eyes on Destination Truth wasn't a spirit, but rather a spider crawling around in the skull, and it was just pure coincidence, or set up by the show itself. Now in the end, this island sure as hell is creepy. There is no doubt about that. There's also no doubt it would be a fun adventure for those interested in scary ass dolls and spiders. That's not me. I don't like either of those things. But is it haunted? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, can we really conclude if anything is truly haunted? It's all about belief, in my opinion, anyway. If we look hard enough, there's generally a logical answer for everything out there when it comes to the paranormal. But that doesn't mean things like the Island of Dolls isn't creepy. 
It doesn't mean that the hair on the nape of your neck won't stand up when you approach it by boat. Logical things, scientifically proven or disproven things can still be frightening. Look at spiders. But let me know what you think on Facebook or on Twitter. Is the Island of Dolls truly haunted? Or is it just a big tourist trap? Now, speaking of tourist traps, we can't talk about haunted dolls without talking about that Annabelle doll. You know the one from the Conjuring universe? Whether you love those movies or hate them, I'm kind of indifferent on them personally. It's a creepy story. Now, apparently, this is a real doll, and I think everybody knew that. Of course, there were some artistic liberties taken with the doll in the movie to make it look a little creepier than it does in real life, as in real life, it is just a Raggedy Ann doll. But there is a story behind it, and I did find it on birthmoviesdeath.com. And from the other resources I found, this seems to be a pretty accurate tale of what happened with the doll. Again, of course, there are some liberties taken with the storytelling here. But I'm going to read to you the story behind that Annabelle doll. And it's kind of creepy, to say the least. In 1970, Donna got Annabelle from her mother as a gift. Her mom bought the used doll at a hobby store. And Donna was a college student at the time and living with a roommate named Angie. And at first, neither thought the doll was anything special. Other than, why was a college-aged student getting a doll? Nevertheless, over time, they noticed Annabelle seemed to move on her own. At first, it was really subtle, just changes in position, the kinds of things that could be written off as the doll being jostled. But the movement increased, and within a few weeks, it seemed to become fully mobile. The girls would leave the apartment with Annabelle on Donna's bed and return home to find it on the couch. Their friend Lou hated the doll, and I don't blame him. He thought there was something deeply wrong with it, something evil, but the girls were modern women and didn't believe that sort of thing. There must be an explanation, they reasoned. But soon, Annabelle's actions got even weirder. Donna began to find pieces of parchment paper in the house with written messages on it. Help us, they would say, or help Lou. Just to make the whole thing that much creepier, nobody in the house had parchment paper. So where the hell was it coming from? I'm going to stop there for a second and interject with my own theory. Maybe one of the roommates was playing a prank on the other roommate. Maybe we have a Black Christmas sort of situation where somebody is living in the house without them knowing it, hiding in the attic, playing pranks on them from inside their own dwelling. But I'll continue on with the story. The escalation continued. One night, Donna returned home to find Annabelle in her bed with blood on her hands. The blood, or some sort of red liquid, seemed to be coming from the doll itself. Well, that was enough. Donna finally agreed to bring in a medium. This sensitive sat with the doll and told the girls that long before their apartment complex had been built, there had been a field on the property. A seven-year-old girl named Annabelle Higgins had been found dead in that field. Her spirit remained, and when the doll came into the house, the girl latched onto it. She found Donna and Angie to be trustworthy. She just wanted to stay with them. She just wanted to be safe. Now, after some brief research, I couldn't tell if the real person of Annabelle Higgins was just that, real. I couldn't tell if she was 
found dead on that field or not. But there's a contradiction to that story, which I just want to point out right here, right now. The mom found the doll at a hobby store, yet it wasn't possessed until it was brought into their home or their apartment. I'm just trying to piece that together in my head. If there was a spirit already lingering around that apartment and why it never attached itself to anything prior. The story starts to fall apart there, but I'm going to continue on and give it the benefit of the doubt. Now, both these students, Donna and Angie, were nurturing types. They were both nursing students. And Donna and Angie did agree to let Annabelle stay with them. But apparently that's when all hell broke loose. Lou started having bad dreams. Dreams where Annabelle was in his bed, climbing up his leg as he lay frozen, sliding up his chest to his neck and closing her stuffed hands around his throat, choking him out. He would wake up terrified head-pounding like all the blood had been cut off to his brain. He was freaking out, and he was worried about the girls. A few days later, he and Angie were hanging out, planning a road trip, when they heard something moving around in Donna's room. They froze. Was it a break-in? Was there an intruder in the apartment? Lou crept over to the door, listening to the rustling within. He threw open the door, and everything was as it should be, except Annabelle was off the bed and sitting in a corner. As he approached the doll, Lou was consumed with that feeling, a burning on the back of his neck that indicates something or someone was staring at you. And so he spun around. Nobody was there. The room was completely empty. And then there was a sudden pain in his chest. He looked in his shirt and saw a series of raking claw marks, rough ditches in his flesh that burned. He knew that Annabelle had done it. The weird claw marks began healing almost immediately. They were totally gone within two days, as if there were no wounds at all. They knew they needed more help. And then they turned to a priest, who in turn called in Ed and Lorraine Warren. It didn't take long for the Warrens to come to the conclusion. There was no ghost in this case. There was an inhuman spirit, a demon attached to the doll. That makes a little more sense, since I couldn't find anything about Annabelle Higgins. But they warned that the doll wasn't possessed. Demons don't possess things, only people. It was clinging to the doll, manipulating it in order to give the impression of a haunting. The target was really Donna's soul. A priest performed an exorcism on the apartment and the Warrens took possession of the doll. They put it in a bag and began the long drive home. Ed agreed to stay off highways because there was a concern that the demon might, well, fuck with the car. And at 65 miles an hour, that would be disastrous. And sure enough, as they drove on the back roads, the engine kept cutting out. The power steering kept failing, and even the brakes gave them some trouble. Ed opened the bag, sprinkled the doll with holy water, and the disturbances stopped. For a time. Ed left the doll next to his desk, and apparently it began levitating. That happened a couple of times, and then it seemed to just quit, finally laying quiet. But in a couple of weeks, Annabelle was back to her old tricks. She started appearing in different parts of the Warren's house. Sensing that the doll was ramping back up, the Warrens called in a Catholic priest to exorcise Annabelle. The priest didn't take it seriously, telling Annabelle, you're a doll, you can't hurt anyone. And it was apparently a big mistake. On his way home, the priest's brakes failed. 
and the car was totaled in a horrible accident. He somehow survived. Eventually, the Warrens locked Annabelle in a case that they customized and built. She resides there to this day. The locked case seems to have kept the doll from moving around, but it seems like whatever terrible entity is attached to it is still there, waiting, biding its time, ready for the day when it can be free again. All my other research about this doll does suggest that it is kind of, if nothing else, creepy. The Warren's relatives, their children, their nephews, nieces, family members of all shapes and sizes hate this thing. They don't make eye contact with it. They don't acknowledge its existence. They say it's there, but won't look at it directly. They say it can manipulate you through the glass. They say it can cause nightmares and other paranormal feats in your life. I'm not sure if I believe it or not, as I have grown to be a little more skeptic over the past few years, especially when doing the show and researching all these critters and creatures, and it's just hard to believe something like that actually exists as much as I want it to. Now, I'm not saying I don't think that there are possessions and I don't think that there are demons. Of course, there is the possibility, but I like to sit right in the middle and look at everything from both sides. It's often easy to say that somebody is possessed. It's often easy to say something is evil, but we don't really truly know what evil is. We haven't really lived through a particularly evil time. Look at the 1930s and 40s with Nazi Germany. That was pure evil. A doll locked in a cabinet just doesn't scream evil to me. Nevertheless, it is a pretty terrifying concept, and I will forever be terrified of dolls. We have one in our apartment. I don't like it. It is creepy, but it was given to my wife by her grandmother, so it stays until it decides to burn the house down. In that case, well, <laughs> I guess we're going to get rid of it. Nevertheless, that's it. That does it for me today. I hope you like this brand new episode. Back at it after a couple of weeks off. How long was it? Three weeks? It doesn't matter. My name is Casey, and if you like what you heard, please feel free to leave a review on Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever the app is called nowadays. You can also leave a review on Facebook. Any five-star reviews will be read out on the show, so that is the best way to get a shout-out if that's what you're looking for. You can follow me on Twitter at HorrorShotsProd, as in production, or on Facebook at HorrorShots, where you can leave that wonderful, wonderful review. Or you can follow me on Instagram at OmnisOriginsPod. Also, feel free to leave some comments, as I said, whether you believe these dolls are haunted on the island or the Annabelle doll. Either way. Let me know what you think. You can do that on Twitter or on Facebook and start a discussion and maybe, who knows, maybe you'll meet somebody cool. Maybe somebody fun. Everybody who likes that page is pretty awesome. But until next week.